I believe that what we do as women in the privacy of our own minds is the single greatest determinant of our lives. I'm Emma Title, and you are listening to the Women Today podcast, where we are unpacking and investigating the new female psychology. I am a psychotherapist, coach, and teacher who is passionate about women's internal and external freedoms. You are in the right place if you want to hear in-depth stories about women's lives. On this show, we dig deep into the minds and hearts of women to understand what it really takes to heal, to grow, and to experience psychological freedom so that we can create lives of authenticity, fulfillment, and contribution. This is a place to receive nourishment, inspiration, and guidance as we continue to show up for the complexity and nuance of our lives as women. I'm so glad that you're here, and let's get started with today's episode. Hi, and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the podcast, and welcome to April. And as promised, I am transitioning us here on the podcast away from our theme of women and money last month in March, and we will be focusing on women and trauma and triumph this month in April. And I'm really excited for the conversations that we have ahead of us here and for all of the learning and the dialogue that will be taking place. So before I get deep into the theme of trauma and triumph, I just wanted to give a little bit of context and background about why I care about this topic so much and why I think it's important for all of us as women, regardless of our experience, our background, where we come from, for us to deeply understand trauma, how it operates in our lives, in our bodies, in our relationships, and also how to work with it so that we can experience healing and experience uh, wholeness and an ability to feel at home in ourselves, even when we've experienced some really challenging or difficult experiences. So as you've heard me talk about in other episodes of the podcast, I have cared about women's issues, women's empowerment from a very young age. I can remember being a girl an adolescent, a young adult, and always whenever I had choice in school about what I could focus a project or a paper on, I always gravitated toward women, women's stories, injustices against women and girls, um, gender inequality. It was always something that tugged at my heartstrings and that mattered deeply to me. And so when I got involved early on in my schooling and in my early career in psychology and in the counseling and mental health field, I pretty quickly realized that I could not focus on women or I couldn't prioritize women's lives or women's issues if I wasn't also studying, talking about, and deeply understanding trauma. So while I personally loved being a woman and I felt a lot of female pride in many different contexts in my life, I I came from a family that I had two sisters, a lot of girl cousins, I had a mom who celebrated being female. I had lots of real aunties and, you know, surrogate aunties, um, lots of strong female presence and, and women in my life growing up. And I saw lots of different ways of women who were working and caretaking and representing themselves. So I felt a lot of personal pride and ownership of my female identity. And yet I also always felt keenly aware of the disproportionate suffering that women and girls across the globe experienced 
purely as a result of gender, even not considering any other element like race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, but just recognizing that gender alone caused trauma in so many different situations, contexts, and experiences. And so when I kept seeing this and understanding this, studying this, talking to women about this, I realized that if I was going to serve women in my career, that I needed to understand trauma and how to work with it. And so in the years when I was becoming a therapist, I also spent five years studying a trauma healing modality called somatic experiencing. For those of you who don't know about it, it's a method that was founded by Peter Levine, who's an incredible pioneer in the field of trauma and trauma resolution. And over the course of that study, I had to go very in-depth into my own nervous system, my own body, my own history and experience as an individual, as a female, as a person, you know, in the systems and context that I'm a part of. And it really helped me to befriend and understand and become very intimate with trauma, what it is, what it is not, what we think it is, and and how it can sort of surprise us in many different ways. And I I have never looked back. It's it's sort of baked into how I work with women, both in a coaching and a psychotherapy capacity. And it's something that permeates our entire lives. Um, I think oftentimes we want to put trauma in a box. You know, it's something scary or big, or it's something that happens to other people, or it's only about these huge, you know, natural disasters or wars, or like these very dramatic, enormous things that we consider trauma. But actually trauma is a part of everyday living and life. And it's something that we need to become intimate with in order to have the most capacity, presence, um, and really adaptability in, in our personhoods. So that's why I care so much about this. And I wanted to couple the themes of trauma and triumph together this month because I think so often like I'm, I was saying, we trauma can kind of get frozen of like people will go around and say, well, I'm traumatized or I had, I had such a traumatic childhood or I had this traumatic experience that I've never overcome. But in essence, so much of our journey as humans is about the traumas we experience, whether large or small, chronic or one time. And then it's also about the ways that we heal, that we recover, that we overcome and that we actually are quite resilient against all odds in many cases. And so I have always been personally very compelled by the wide range of experiences that we can have as human beings from the most beautiful and exquisite experiences to the most terrifying and horrifying things that we can live through and go through as humans, both individually and collectively. And I think my fascination and my the way that, that the human experience moves me is what inspired me to become a therapist and a coach because I love knowing about what shapes people, what makes us who we are, and how we make meaning of particularly the most difficult experiences that we can go through as human beings. So that's, I just wanted to share all of that with you so that you have a sense of why I think this is so important and how I've been personally moved to really embrace and understand and study the concept of trauma in the first place. So today I'll be I'll be talking to you about what trauma is, the different types of trauma, 
I'll be going not very in depth, but just speaking to some of the signs and symptoms of trauma so that you can help to identify yourself potentially if you might be struggling with something trauma related. And I'll also be talking about what triumph is, you know, how we get there, how it happens. And as always recommending my favorite books and resources to you for addressing trauma, as well as some really practical and inspiring ways of engaging with your own relationship to trauma. So let's take a step back and just ask the question, what is trauma? And like I said, you know, I think sometimes we think of trauma being relegated to a sexual assault or a car accident or a war or a natural disaster. But the reality is, is that trauma is anything that happens to us that we perceive the experience of not having control or being helpless, powerless, or unable to affect change. Something that comes into our world and impacts us and we're not really able to process it. We can't, it's it's just too much. It's overwhelming. We There isn't a place for it in our brain or our body and we we can't process it on some level. And it's all about the perception. So two people can experience the quote unquote exact same thing, but have a completely different response. One person can register it as traumatic and the other person cannot register it as traumatic. And it's not that one person is overly sensitive or the other person is numb. It's just that it's all about the perception. It's all about how we perceive and register and not just in our conscious awareness, not just in our mental processing or our thought forms, but actually in our nervous system and in our body and how the organism, the mammalian you know, body that we are, you know, I think sometimes we think we're not animals, but on a very practical level, we are animals as human beings. And our bodies are oftentimes the indicator of whether or not something has registered as having been able to be processed or not having been able to be processed. So there are many everyday things that can happen to us that we can go through that register traumatically in the body that we might not categorize as as traumatic. So that could be disappointments or someone speaking to us in a certain tone of voice. It could be losing a pet or not getting into the school program that you wanted to get into. It could be infidelity in a partnership. It could be a medical surgery. All of these things, again, may or may not be, but could be digested and processed in the body as traumatic. So an incredible woman who I will be interviewing and you will hear from later this month on the podcast, actually next week, she's amazing, Kimberly Ann Johnson. And her new book, Call of the Wild, is about to be published and it's profound. Um, You'll hear us talk all about it next week, but I wanted to share some of her words because I think she writes about trauma in such a powerful way. So in her new book, she says, Trauma is a normal part of life. We all have experiences that are beyond our capacity to handle in the moment. They are too big, too fast, or too soon, or all of the above. We all have unprocessed material in our bodies that affects how we act and interact with the world around us. Trauma is not a scarlet letter. It is a part of being human. Thankfully and redemptively, healing is also an inherent part of being human. Regeneration and a forward thrust of life is operating in all of us right now. Thank you, Kimberly, for those words. When I read them, they just, they touched me and resonated so deeply with me because 
It's the recognition that we are sensitive, vulnerable creatures. We are mortal creatures. And because we have a lot of different sensory and perceptive capacities in our bodies, things can happen. You know, a car not stopping at a stoplight, um, a child screaming in the back of our car, any, any of these little micro moments, things can happen throughout the day that we register, as she says, you know, that are too big, too fast, or too soon, and we can't handle it in the moment. So I think it's really important to delineate different types of trauma. So oftentimes people refer to a big T trauma versus a little T trauma. And I I sort of have mixed feelings about this, but I think it can be useful when we're trying to understand ourselves or the experiences we've had in the past. So a big T trauma are those things that I'm talking about, a, a sexual assault, a being in a war, you know, those people who are at 9-11 when that occurred, a car accident, like these big major events, someone breaking into your home that are where you feel invaded, your life feels threatened, it is threatened, and you are not in control, you're powerless, you're rendered helpless. And those are very significant traumas. And then little t traumas are also, they can also be violent um, or, you know, a major loss, or it could also be the witnessing of something frightening. It doesn't actually happen to you, but you witness it happening to someone else. And these are things that, you know, could be like the the loss of a pet, as I was saying, or somebody attacks you verbally on the street and they're just, they're not as grave as those other things, but they still register in create imprints of trauma and they also leave residual effects. So some of the, the symptoms, signs or symptoms of any of these single incident traumas, meaning they happen one time, whether it's a major thing or a smaller thing, but it's still interpreted traumatically by your body. It could cause insomnia, anxiety, depression, flashbacks, a general feeling of being on edge or feeling hypervigilant in your environment. Any of these things, it could be, you know, wincing, twitching, um, certain body patterns or structures that basically are just signs or symptoms that you have not been able to fully process how much that threat was affecting you. It could manifest as things like migraines or digestive issues, pains that are unexplainable for other reasons in your body. Trauma can do a number on us. And very often people will have mysterious symptoms that they can't explain in any other way. And if they get to a trauma therapist, what we start to realize is that all of these sort of mysterious, bizarre things constantly and can actually be tracked back to some of the traumas that someone experienced. So there's another type of trauma, which is not a one-time incident, but instead something that occurs over time and repeatedly. And this is something called complex trauma. And complex trauma is really, um, it's, it's, it's very pervasive. We don't, it doesn't get talked about enough. It's getting talked about more recently, but it's things that are happening and oftentimes they're happening interpersonally. So this could be um, a very contentious or abusive parent-child relationship. It could be an abusive partnership where there's physical or emotional abuse. Um, Sometimes you'll hear people refer to this as developmental trauma. So if something has been occurring over and over again as a human being is developing, it can cause a trauma. And the signs and symptoms of this 
could be similar to the to the single incident trauma, but usually have more of an emotional um, or self-concept tone. So these could be things like shame or guilt or difficulty controlling or managing emotions, a lot of relationship difficulties, having a hard time forming a partnership or having a hard time sustaining a partnership, um, the inability to focus or having a lot of dissociation going on. It could lead to things like suicidality or um, a drug addiction or alcohol abuse, any form of self-harm. But oftentimes these complex traumas, they sort of bake into our sense of self. So we might feel chronically ashamed or chronically worthless. So our self-concept actually gets affected, which is a little different than a one-time event that happens and is causing like fear based on that event, if, if you understand the difference there. So just to review that, we've got one-time single incident traumas, and those can be broken down into big T traumas and little T traumas, and if that language works for you. And then we've got complex trauma, which is something that happens repeatedly and over time, and it's often affecting more of our sense of self or our interpersonal capacity or ability. So something that's really, really important to emphasize here, and I mentioned it earlier, but I'll say it again, it's worth repeating, that it's all about perception. So if you feel like you are carrying trauma or unprocessed experiences or material from your life, that is valid enough. And I it pains me so much, women who come to me in my practice and they talk to me about, you know, my partner says I'm crazy or I'm overreacting or my parents say I shouldn't be upset about that or something like that. All of that is gaslighting and invalidating, okay? I'm not saying we shouldn't be open to feedback or, you know, impact from those that we love. But if we are feeling like something is off or we're feeling like something happened to us that we can't digest fully or integrate fully, that's what matters because trauma is in the eye of the beholder. And so it's really important that we can learn to validate, affirm, and understand our own experience and not necessarily be looking for the validation or affirmation outside of ourselves um, when people aren't getting our worlds. So that's the job of a good therapist is to basically really understand you, how you experience something and to affirm that how you experienced it is your truth. And that doesn't mean it can't change or it can't heal or it can't integrate, but it, your interpretation and perception of an experience is worthwhile and it is valid. So that's very, very important. So the thing about trauma is that we are incredibly powerful, resilient, and adaptive as human beings. So there are human beings who have lived through some of the most intense, frightening, horrifying, unthinkable situations. And the way that we survive those situations, and it could be, it's on a spectrum. So it could be the worst of the worst, or it could be these more minor experiences. But every way that we survive, it requires adaptation. And these adaptations can be incredibly powerful and useful when we're under the acute threat, whether that's lasting, you know, five minutes, an hour, a day, or in some cases with complex trauma, years or decades. And what's really tricky is that the adaptation that is life-saving, you know, literally, or just um, sense of self-saving or preserving in a period of time, when we 
start to kind of get entrained or form a habit around those adaptive mechanisms, it can start to cause a lot of issues for us when we're no longer in that circumstance anymore, but we are still behaving or adapting as if we are. So this is where we can start to see things like the inability to form an intimate relationship or bond. Perhaps that was incredibly intelligent at one point in your life, but now it's causing a lot of problems for you. Or it could be something physical, like you're constantly cracking your neck in a certain pattern or holding your shoulders in a fixed position. Again, something that you did to overcome or adapt or or survive the situation you were in, but now it's actually causing more pain or suffering for you. So I like to tell a little story about this because I think it's it's powerful. It's just a little anecdote. Um, so there's this narrative where there's a woman and she's making eggs for her daughter. And so she's, she's putting um, the eggs in the bowl and she's whipping them. And then she pulls out the milk from the refrigerator and she pours some milk into the eggs. And she has a friend who's over and says, oh, I never thought to put milk in my scrambled eggs. Where did you learn to do that? And she says, oh, well, my mom always put milk in, in her eggs when she was scrambling them. So I learned to do that as a girl. She said, oh, what culture did you come from? Like, that's sort of a funny thing. I've never seen milk go into the eggs. And she said, oh, well, her mother put milk in her eggs. And so that's how she learned how to make eggs. And the friends are just kind of like, oh, okay, that's interesting. They leave it at that. And then the next time the woman sees her mother, she says, hey, you know, my friend was over and she said she never thought to put milk in her eggs. And I told her that grandma always put milk in her eggs. And she said, where did she learn to do that? And her mom says, oh, well, when grandma was growing up, they could only afford to get six eggs a week. And so they added milk to their scrambled eggs so that they would make the eggs last longer. So if you can understand where I'm going with this, it's not that putting milk in eggs is traumatic necessarily, but it's basically that there was an adaptive strategy that this woman's grandmother created. They only had six eggs. They had a family that they had to feed. So if they added milk, it would make the eggs last longer. So then that strategy, that adaptation gets passed down through generations where now this woman is making eggs with milk for her daughter, but she's probably not in the context where she can only afford six eggs a week anymore. So she's still doing the adaptation, but it's not necessarily necessary or perhaps even the best thing given the new context that she's in. And this is a beautiful metaphor for trauma and how trauma operates. It's like it's something that kind of gets stuck or ingrained into a behavioral pattern, but it's not necessarily the most responsive or adaptive thing in a new context. So I hope this is making sense. I, I found it a very powerful learning tool. And this is how trauma operates. And it can also be how intergenerational patterns operate that may not be traumatic, but there might be places in our lives where we're going through habits or we have certain behavioral patterns that may not really work for us. And we need to look at, well, where did we learn that? And what was the context from which we learned that? And perhaps we want to see it for what it is and then break our loyalty to that pattern if necessary. So that leads me into, uh, you know, that's an example of, of an intergenerational um tradition, you could say, with the milk and the eggs, but you can imagine how there could be intergenerational patterns of trauma or trauma traditions, and they may not be conscious. So I want to speak a little bit to the concept of personal 
trauma versus collective trauma. And as I was saying at the beginning, why I got so interested in this is because there is a collective trauma of being female. And if you haven't listened to it, the very first episode actually of the Women Today podcast was with this incredible woman named Dr. Valerie Rain. And she wrote a book on um, a concept called patriarchy stress disorder. And that interview and her book go super in depth about this concept of the collective trauma of being female. And it's really important to recognize that even if you personally are listening to this and you're a you're female woman identified person and you don't feel like you've had any gender-based trauma, that could be totally true. And, I, and for you, I hope that's totally true. It would be awesome. But just by the nature of being female in a legacy of patriarchy and in a context where patriarchy is still incredibly pervasive, we have collective trauma of being female. And I think this is this can sometimes be a bitter pill to swallow. And sometimes, you know, I've met many women who are doing great in their lives. They're making lots of money. They're feeling super successful. Um, they are not feeling held back by their gender for them personally. And so then they don't want to acknowledge or consider that there could be a collective trauma of being female. And that's okay if you don't want to go there, but I do encourage you to consider that you may be impacted by a collective trauma and it may be influencing your life in ways that you don't even realize, okay? So I just I just encourage us to stay awake and aware and to be open to the possibility of this. And then in addition to the collective trauma of being female, our other identities such as race, ethnicity, socioeconomic background, family of origin, nationality, sexual orientation, ability, body size, all of that, depending on the intersectional identities that we carry, these can affect how much collective trauma we might be carrying or we might feel depending on the locations that we, you know, the identities that we inhabit. So intergenerational trauma is something that we, you know, I think it's come up a lot in um, around Jewish populations. I myself am Jewish. And so it's something I've gone really in depth into understanding is that in my individual life, I, I have not experienced a tremendous amount of trauma as a Jewish woman. But since I was a very young child, I have been told the narratives of what Jewish people have gone through historically. And so, you know, what, what, distant relatives, ancestors, you know, people in my family that I didn't know went through. And so by being born into a family and a lineage like that, in my psyche, I have been constantly digesting and processing the reality, the atrocities, the darkness, you know, the horror of what is possible among human beings as a Jewish person. And so I carry that in my body, even though I haven't had in this lifetime you know, a very personal threat to me. I feel it in the collective and I'm aware that because I'm Jewish and because I'm a woman, there is a way that I'm carrying trauma in ways that are different than other people. We'll, we're going to be having an amazing woman um, at the end of the month, Marielle Bouquet, speak to us about intergenerational trauma and healing and how to do ancestral healing if it's something that appeals to you. Similarly, you know, particularly in the last year, I think there's been incredible, much more public conversation around the intergenerational trauma of Black people and Black community and 
Resma Menachem is, you know, really pioneering that work as well as many others with his book, My Grandmother's Hands. And he's trained in somatic experiencing the same work that I was trained in. And it's really about acknowledging that we are not just ourselves. We're not just in a vacuum, just me, my single self, my life, but we are inheriting the experiences, the narratives, the the very real stories of the people who have lived before us and how those have gotten passed down. I also want to talk about um, COVID, COVID-19, and this whole experience that we've been living through with a worldwide pandemic for the last year plus, and recognizing that, you know, even if our personal world, you know, was relatively safe or relatively okay, that we are still processing the residual effects of of a collective and a group trauma. And so if you've noticed observing friends and family or distant people over the last year, there's been a huge variation in response. There have been people who have been living in fear, much more fear than others. Some people have felt more safe and less concerned. Um, And a lot of this has to do with personality, with family of origin, but also genetics. Some people and some groups of people are more genetically predisposed to anxiety and fear and rigidity in their systems while others are less so. Um, but we can't, we can't insulate ourselves. So we need to understand our individual experience and history of trauma. Like what are the experiences that you've lived through? What are, what are big T or little T or complex traumas that you might be negotiating, but also paying attention to our surroundings and the, the people and the places and the communities that we belong to also affect our narrative of trauma. Um, I can speak in Boulder, just a couple of weeks ago, we had a mass shooting here at a grocery store, just a grocery store. Many of my clients, it was their local store where they go to multiple times a week. And so I myself don't go to that store frequently and I wasn't nearby and all of my loved ones are safe and okay, but I'm still processing the very real trauma of having something like that happen in our community and then holding space for and supporting the people who were more directly impacted. And that has residual effect of trauma as well. So so there's these, it's almost like I imagine it like concentric circles or, you know, when you throw a rock in a pond, it's like the ripple effects. Like with this shooting, maybe I was on like the fifth outer tier of, of the ripple effect, but I'm still affected, even if I'm not in that most immediate direct impact of the trauma. So I'm just going to take a breath. Um, And if you're listening to this, I just want to presence that talking about trauma has this wild way of actually stirring up, poking at, and evoking our own trauma. So that's why I'm slowing down to take a breath right now, and I'll encourage you to do the same. Um, This is something I learned very intimately in in my trauma training over the years, is that just simply talking about trauma can be activating for our history and our experience. So... I encourage you to just be gentle as you're listening to this. And it feels like a good place to transition into the concept of triumph. And um, triumph is just, it's such an important part of trauma, actually. And triumph is about the ability to succeed, to learn, to grow, to develop, and to overcome even against the greatest odds that we may face, even against the most challenging circumstances that we may be confronted with. And for me personally, 
I find part of the beauty of life to be about this wide, vast spectrum, the range and the contrast that can exist in the human experience. So I often like to think about the metaphor of climbing a mountain or going on a backpacking trip. And, you know, when I when I get out there, I haven't for a while, but um, my last backpacking trip, I went with my dad and I we prepared everything and we got out there and I'm so excited and I'm like, yes, let's do this. Let's have this big experience. And then I got out there and, you know, you get to certain spots where it's so steep or I've got blisters on my feet or the, the backpack feels super heavy and I'm exhausted. And I just start to have these feelings of like, I don't know if I can make it. I'm irritable. Why did I do this to myself? What, what why did I get myself into this? And, and then when I get to the vista or the top of the mountain, there's just so much awe and gratitude and, and an experience of triumph. Like, oh my God, all that suffering, all that effort, all that slogging through was worth it. And it's part of what makes life so beautiful, so meaningful. It's, it's that life is not always easy. Life is not always smooth. Um, challenge is a very real part of being human. But the opportunity to experience healing or to have those breakthroughs or to get to those quote unquote vista points or achievements or growth or integration, that is is sort of what makes life so amazing. And it's part of what makes us feel really alive and vibrant as human beings. So if you're someone who identifies as having experienced a lot of trauma in your life, or maybe you're going through something more recently and you're feeling like you're never going to recover or you're permanently d- damaged goods, I just want to say you're not. And trauma, again, is a normal part of being human. And there are ways to heal and to integrate and to overcome it. And, and there's a really important concept that I want to introduce to you, which is called post-traumatic growth. So it's the concept that after trauma, life can actually become even better. We can grow beyond our wildest dreams. Trauma can actually be a doorway or an invitation deeper into a more fulfilling and meaningful life. So as as Kimberly said, trauma is not a scarlet letter. It's something that needs to be paid attention to, not ignored, worked with, related to, but it is not... um, It's not a death sentence and it's not a your life is ruined sentence. There are incredible people who have overcome unbelievable experiences and they are who they are because of the trauma they went through. So I really want to emphasize this, that trauma is not a bad thing. It's not a negative thing. It's something we all negotiate to one degree or another. And it's and it's part of what gives us the meat, the juice, the, the meaning of our lives. Peter Levine, who's, um, you know, really in many ways the grandfather of trauma healing work in, in this part of the world, he talks about trauma healing not only being about reviewing painful events of the past, but also making ourselves more available for the full range of human experience, for the joy, the beauty, the awe, the transcendence. And, you know, his position is that basically presence heals So his methodology of somatic experiencing is all about deep presence, presence on the part of the practitioner who's 
supporting the trauma healing and then presence for the person who's renegotiating the trauma is that when we're able to bring presence to the experiences that we've had where we could not be fully present because we were you know, in survival, um, we were doing those adaptive strategies to protect ourselves. When we renegotiate it, when we review it, when we go back, when we bring, bring presence, bring the ability to track the somatic experience, that is when we can heal and also experience even greater thriving in our lives. So a few practical things to consider um, as, you know, food for thought or exercises, if you want to do them before I recommend my books and other resources to you around trauma healing is that there's a very basic concept from somatic experiencing, which is about the concept of red and blue. And, you know, you'd have to go much more in depth, but to make it simple, blue is the concept of resource or well-being or okayness. And red is the concept of trauma or inability to be present or being hyper aroused in the nervous system, um, fearful, any of those things. And so in somatic experiencing, one of the basic principles or tenets is that before we can investigate or renegotiate or even talk about anything traumatic that's happened to us is that we need to stabilize in the thing something that's resourcing, something that's blue. And so I invite you to use this as a very practical self-care tool if you're going through a challenging time is to actually use your senses. So whether that's, um, you know, all of our five senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, touch, or taste, and to focus your attention and awareness on something that feels resourcing, something that feels like it invokes a sense of well-being, a sense of presence, and a sense of okayness. And really try to focus on finding the blue and stabilizing in that well-being, in that blue space, before doing anything with the thing that is disruptive or challenging or hard for you. So that's one really practical tool. And the second thing is that, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, is that I want you to start to own and define your own relationship with traumatic experience or events and what you need around them. So one way you can do this is to spend some time writing down a chronology of the significant experiences, relationships, or, you know, events that have happened to you in your life and how those have impacted you. And Again, don't let anybody else define whether or not you carry trauma. Let's just assume that you do because all human beings carry trauma. And let's just assume that you are the best judge of how and whether or not those things are impacting you on a day-to-day basis. So by writing down any significant experiences, relationships, or events that you've had in your life, you can then start to put pieces together and to understand how those experiences may be impacting your daily life right now. And then a third recommendation would be to consider, are there behavioral patterns, interpersonal patterns, thought patterns, or any other habit that's going on in your life right now that you're not loving, that's not getting you what you want, or doesn't seem to be helping you, but actually is harming you? And could this be the result of trauma? So two and three are sort of connected to each other. It's like, okay, what's happened to me? And then how might my struggles, my challenges, the things that aren't working for me in my life right now be related to what impacted me historically? 
And then the fourth thing I'll say is that making sense of our history, making sense of our past is one of the most powerful ways that we can become whole, more present, and have more empowerment and more choice in our present lives and reality. So Daniel Siegel, um, I'll be recommending some of his books, but he writes a lot about the developing brain, and he writes a lot about healthy and secure attachment. And one of the things he talks about is how adults who had troubling childhoods or difficult um, relationships with their parents can become excellent and wonderful, loving caregivers and nurturers to their children. And one of the most powerful ways that we get the option to do that and to not just repeat the familial pattern or the intergenerational trauma is through reviewing, making sense of, and understanding the past. And by doing that, by going through that process, that's what allows for much of the trauma healing. So that's more of a cognitive approach. Um, you know, the somatic experiencing is a more body-based approach. But this is really what high-quality therapy is all about. It's supporting people to review where they've come from, what they've experienced, what's going on in their lives now, how those things are connected, and to create more opportunity and choice so that we feel more capable of creating the lives that we want and not being dictated by the things that are affecting us from the past that we haven't been able to renegotiate or to sequence or process out of our bodies. So if you are someone who's struggling, I cannot recommend high quality therapy more. Trauma is not something that should be renegotiated alone. Trauma requires the support of a skillful empathic, present, um, educated, trained other. And it's really important that you're not doing this alone because that can actually recapitulate the trauma and we can get really scared and lost. I'm not saying there aren't things you can't do on your own, like reading or journaling or other types of healing modalities, but I highly, highly encourage you to get connected with somebody that you trust and have a good feeling about so that you have a space where you're getting supported if you're needing to work through or heal from trauma. So that leads me to some of my favorite, favorite books, which I highly recommend if you're interested in this topic or if you wanna you know, use the books as an entry point to doing more of your in-depth healing. So there's an incredible woman named Arielle Schwartz in my community here in Boulder. And she wrote two, a couple of books, um, the Complex PTSD Workbook and the Post-Traumatic Growth Guidebook. And both of those are just incredible. Ariel is so gifted in the field of trauma, and they are both very practical and useful ways of knowing how to negotiate particularly complex PTSD and also this concept of how to grow after trauma and how that can be such a beautiful process. As I mentioned, Kimberly Ann Johnson, who'll be on the podcast next week, her book is coming out next week, Call of the Wild. You can pre-order it. It is mind-blowing. It is powerful. It is really the book of our times, and it's written so much from a female perspective. It's, I think, now my favorite book on trauma, so I highly recommend that. And um, Resma Menachem's book, My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies, is incredibly important for our times right now. Um, it's incredibly important for people from all communities, but it's I, I think it's educational in terms of understanding intergenerational trauma and also understanding how 
things live in the body and we cannot just think our way out of these issues. We actually have to do the somatic work to come to a new place, both in our individual lives, but also in the major issues we're facing in terms of racial trauma, particularly here in the U.S. between Black and white bodies and um, bodies of culture, as he talks about. Peter Levine wrote many different books. Waking the Tiger and Trauma and Memory are the two that I would recommend for starters. And Bessel van der Kolk wrote The Body Keeps the Score. Um, all of these are sort of like the foundational books on trauma. Some of them may feel more or less accessible to you, depending where you're starting. But that's why um, Kimberly's book of Call of the Wild, I think, is, is the best place to start. Um, and then maybe work your way up to the other ones. Two other books are When the Body Says No by Gabor Mate and It Didn't Start With You by Mark Woolen. And those are also incredible resources um, for understanding these things more deeply. And then Daniel Siegel, he wrote, he's written so many books. He's prolific, but Mindsight. And then he also wrote one with Tina Payne Bryson, The Power of Showing Up, which is a lot about presence and parenting. And both of those books, Mindsight and The Power of Showing Up, are really, really powerful in terms of understanding how our trauma history, if we don't deal with it, if we don't become aware of it, if we don't integrate it, can really play out unconsciously in our parenting. And that's how the generational trauma gets passed to the next generation. So um, if you're a parent, I know I have a young daughter right now, and I'm just super committed to not doing um, things to her that I can avoid. I feel like the world is vulnerable enough. She is vulnerable enough. And if I can do my best to be a safe haven and not playing things out on her that are unnecessarily traumatic, that's really my priority. Some of my favorite modalities for trauma healing are somatic experiencing, as you can imagine. And there's um, an incredible website where you can find practitioners in your area. And then I also love EMDR and brain spotting as well. And different people have different reactions. So I would encourage you to find someone you trust and then see which modality feels effective for you. And then I also love body workers, whether that's massage or cranial sacral or osteopathic, who are trauma-informed um, doing that work. And similarly, yoga can be an incredible resource for trauma healing, but you need to be working in the hands of a teacher who understands trauma theory and understands trauma as it moves through the body because if you're with in a yoga class or doing body work that doesn't with people who don't understand trauma, you can actually re-injure yourself. You can exacerbate trauma. Um, and we really don't want to be doing this. So it's important for you, again, to be the expert on your own experience and to start to really assess, is this modality helping me to feel better? Am I sleeping better at night? Do I have fewer stomach aches, fewer headaches? Do I feel more confident? Am I feeling less shame? Like, are these things helping me or am I getting worse? And if something is not helping you, it's not a problem. It just means you probably need either a different practitioner or a different methodology. And everybody has their unique path about what works best for them. So that's what I've got for you today. That is a lot. It's a lot to digest. Um, I hope this has been educational and helpful, informative and empowering for you. As always, that's my intention. And I will really look forward to introducing you all to Kimberly Ann Johnson next week. She's phenomenal. She's a powerhouse. And um, her work is just, it, it just couldn't be more perfect for this time. And I want to just leave you again with the reflection that 
if you're feeling like you have a lot of trauma that you carry, if you're feeling overwhelmed or burdened or stuck or unclear about the next steps in your healing path right now as a female, just know that you're not alone and your experience is valid. Your perception and your experience of life matter deeply. And there are lots of people out in the world who are trained and committed to helping women to heal. And so if you aren't connected with one of those people, I encourage you to get connected and to start reading books and, you know, getting the support that you need so that you can live into your magnificence, so that you can live into your highest expression of self, your, your, you know, your passion, your purpose, the relationships you want to form. And so that you can feel the exquisite nature of life that's available to us and that is really your birthright and is not in contradiction to having experienced trauma. In fact, as I said, like if you've experienced trauma, oftentimes those people who have gone through darkness, who have faced the unthinkable, if they have the support and the resources they need to come out the other side, those are often the people who experience the most fulfillment and joy and meaning in life because they understand the contrast. They understand that life is a very broad and wide spectrum and there's so much beauty and richness and um, merit in the journey of healing the trauma, unwinding it, understanding it, and integrating it into your personhood. So as always, I'm wishing you my best and I'm thinking of you on your journey and I look forward to sharing the conversations over the next month with you on trauma and triumph. All right, until next time, take good care of yourself and the ones you love. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Today podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and take a moment to leave a rating and a review. The more five-star ratings this podcast gets, the more easily women around the world will be able to access this valuable information. Remember, we each have our unique role to play in this collective uprising for women all over the world. Whoever you are and wherever you find yourself in this moment, there is a deep intelligence to your particular place in the wider web, and we need the specific experiences, insights, and gifts that only you carry. I am sending you my heartfelt strength and support for wherever you are on the journey, and I'll look forward to connecting again next week.